Hi, we're Visible, the wireless company with nothing to hide. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not into you. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. Yo, what's going on, everybody? This is BGM Radio, episode number, Brandon? We'll figure it out later. All right, we're at Wrong Crowd Beer Company, recording a live show here for BGN Radio. Got a lot of uh, listeners of the podcast that are here, and we're going to take sort of a Q&A here from uh, the people that showed up that were nice enough to show up. We have Righteous Fell and Trap Jerky uh, that we're giving away for free here, courtesy of our good friend Dan Klausner at uh, Righteous Felon. Uh, good times here. Thanks, everyone, for, for again stopping in. And we'll open it up for a question from Alex. Uh, my question is, we'll start it off hot. Jalen Carter, how many sacks does he get this year? And do you think he has a chance to lead all defensive tackles in sacks? So, historical precedent. you got to temper expectations, right? Quentin Williams had something like two and a half sacks his rookie season. But if there is an exception... To that, could be Jalen Carter. I mean, you have Rashad Penny saying that Jalen Carter reminds him of Aaron Donald in training camp. You have Lane Johnson calling him, what, Baby Rhino was the nickname? <laughs> like, this, Jalen Carter's teammates could not be more impressed with him. So I think Jimmy and I did our over and unders back in, like, May, and we set, what, Jalen Carter's like four and a half or something? And we both took the under on that. I feel like... I double digits is tough, but I feel like six, eight. Yeah. So on your Quinn and Williams point, there were four guys that were that made the All Pro uh, team from the NFL, you know, NFL wide last year. Chris Jones, Quinn and Williams were the first team guys. Second team guys were, and this is great Jimmy radio here. Uh, Dexter Lawrence and Jeffrey Simmons. So those guys combined in their rookie seasons had eight sacks total among them yeah so two per guy so that's a position where it's hard to have immediate uh you know big time production but training camp that guy was awesome like just wrecking guys daily oh, the joel batonio rep where you just like, ran a guy over. over a five-time pro bowler two-time all pro first team to, uh, a guard yeah those joint practices against the browns he had a everyone saw the the play that he made in the first preseason game uh who was that against Ben Cleveland. Ben Cleveland of the of the Ravens. So, yeah, I think he's going to be awesome. I don't think he's going to get double-digit sacks. But I do think – I think the question was, would he lead NFL defensive tackles in sacks? Well, I think that's a probably – that's probably well, a pretty good bet. Was it NFL bet. or was it Eagles defensive tackles? Either way, put me down. NFL. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, me, well, not among all – You can do Eagles. You can among do Eagles rookie defensive, defensive tackles. tackles, no doubt. Eagles defensive tackles, sure. Yeah. yeah. How many? Go on the record. I'm going to go – Let's say six and a half. I'll go under. I think he's going to get like five or six. Yeah. You? I just said six and a half. Okay. No, well, would you go over or under that? I mean, I'm going exactly six and a half. He's going, oh, right. Oh, yeah, I forgot sex. It can be a half. Yeah. All right, my man. Yeah. Right, cool. You're good. Okay. Uh, get, get up get nice up and close to the mic. Yeah, thank you guys for doing What's this. What's your name? Well. Uh, this is Matt. Hi. Oh, hey, Matt. Uh, yeah, I've got a question for you guys. Uh, two parts. Um, so think back to the beginning of summer. What was something that you were maybe worried about with this year's team 
that through the summer, through training camp, preseason games, you know, all that that you're more confident in? And then the inverse as well, something maybe that you were confident about that now that they're ready to start playing the games for real that maybe you're a little bit more worried about. It's a good question. And thank you. Uh, I want to deflect. Jimmy, you <laughs> go first. I'm thinking. So wait, the question. Oh, okay. That is louder now. Good, good job by me. Uh, what, so is heading into camp uh, uh, a player or something just generally that player position group was a concern, maybe not a concern anymore. All right, so I'll go into Kobe Dean on that, mm. who uh, was going to, you know, actually I'll go safety on that. I think it's the better answer. So there was, you know, kind of kind of going to be a, a three-way battle for two sa- starting safety jobs between Reed Blankenship, Sidney Brown, Terrell Edmonds. And then what happened throughout camp was right away it was clear that Blankenship was the top guy by far, and then the other – Two guys were battling out for that other starting spot. Blankenship was a stud in camp. Like, he's going to have a good season, no doubt. Like, I think he's uh, clearly their best safety. And from day one, it's clear he's a starter and took the ball away from the offense more than any other player on the defense. Just made plays every day, always in the right spot. Throughout camp, a third guy kind of entered the mix. Justin Evans played well. So now it's kind of Evans, Terrell Edmonds. Sidney Brown, all kind of competing for that starting op- starting job opposite blank job. I don't think it'll be Sidney Brown necessarily uh, to week one, but at some point he probably will start. He's the most gifted of the Eagles' safeties in terms of just over like total athleticism and sort of upside. So I think he'll be, he'll start at some point, but just not right away. And then Edmonds has some versatility, can kind of play like a linebacker type role. He'll get snaps there, I think, at, at, at points in sub packages. So he'll have a role. And then I think Justin Evans uh, is going to play immediately. He, might, In my opinion, I think he's going to start. But I think the safeties are a position that a lot of people are concerned about heading into camp. And, you know, I had some concerns there, too. But I'm less concerned about that positional group as a whole now than I was, you know, two months ago. I'd say less concerned about right guard right now. You know, there's questions about Cam Jurgens and going into training camp. <laughs> Lane Johnson himself through Brian Baldinger apparently had kind of maybe potentially expressed concern playing next to a guy who looks like a center and is lighter um, than your typical guard maybe. I mean, he was the, the starter from day one. Jurgens was never not the first team right guard, and I don't think he played poorly at all, right? I mean, there's no evidence to suggest that there's going to be issues there. And given the importance of the offensive line to this team, I think you're set there. So I would say Cam Jurgens took it, job from day one, never allowed Tyler Steen or anyone else to get in the mix there and just ran with it. The guy that I think I was a little higher on two months ago than I am now is Marcus Mariota, mm. who <laughs> I think he's shown – pretty clearly throughout his career that he can run and he can make plays with his legs and he showed that all throughout camp and even the preseason games problem is if he's trying to push the ball down the field to the intermediate to deeper areas of the field forget it he doesn't know where it's going so like if you ever need that guy to to you know the second half you know erase a deficit it's probably not going to happen if he has to start games in place of Jalen Hurts, this has got won five games for a terrible Falcons team last year. So he can steal some games if Hurts goes down for a little while and he's got to start. But he's the kind of quarterback where you better have a lead and be able to better be able to stay on schedule offensively or it's not going to go well. So do I think they're going to win games with him in the playoffs if they need him to? No. 
is not going to be Nick Foles. Do I think he can win some games during the regular season? Yeah, he can do that. But I was a little disappointed in his accuracy. I didn't. I knew he didn't. Like the book on him is that he didn't have good accuracy. But to see it uh, up close in person, it was like, wow, that's that's not good. <laughs> that's uh, one of the worst accurate, well, the least accurate quarterbacks I've covered in training camps. I mean, I think that's the right answer. There wasn't much in training camp that you really saw that like made you feel worse. I think. Other than that, obviously, just him not looking really good. I think he ended up as like the leader in our LVP, like our worst player of training camp everyday point standings. Um, he clearly was just struggling mightily and just missing like easy throw. Like guys are like wide open and he's still like sailing the ball way high. So I mean, look, you know, if you're down to your backup quarterback anyway, you know, other than Nick Falls, tough spit, tough spot to be in. Um, but yeah, he was way worse than anyone could have thought. Yep. Thanks, Thank you. Appreciate it. We have a new question coming up here. Get up there, close to the mic there. How are you guys doing? Doing good. All right, so my question is, is Tanner McKee coming for Jalen Hurts' job? Is Tanner McKee <laughs> coming for Jalen Hurts' job? No, that's not my real question. <laughs> uh, my real question is, uh, which running back do you think will have the most all-purpose yards this year? Okay. All-purpose yards, wow. Um, so you're including... So you're including kickoffs, kickoff returns, and punt returns. Wow, okay. that's a. I mean, probably won't be a big deal. Yeah, but um, smart money is DeAndre Swift, right? I mean, he has the most upside, I would say, of anyone. I think the Eagles wouldn't mind if he kind of just ran away with the running back job. They they issued that depth chart though recently, and there's four names on listed yeah. in the top spot, all four running backs. So I feel like there's upside there. I'm going to say DeAndre Swift just based on the skill set, but I don't think it's not going to be a rotation. It's going to be a rotation. Yeah, so that's a popular question in the fantasy football community, The who's going to sort of lead the, the Eagles running backs, more so in, for, in like touches, but certainly yards would apply to that as well. Um, in my opinion, DeAndre Swift is very clearly their most talented back, and what I look at is that first preseason game where he played in the first quarter, gave him two carries, second carry looked really good, bounced to the outside, made a couple guys miss, and they got him the F off the field immediately after that second carry. So, like, they were like, all right, let's get this guy in bubble wrap, make sure we don't get him hurt before the games that matter, got him on the sideline. So I think that, you know, throughout training camp, Gainwell – Kenny Gamble got way more touches in practices. Got way it was, more. It wasn't close. It, yeah, it yeah. Was a significant like he, margin. He, and partly because he's their third down back and their two-minute offense back, which they work on a lot in practice because they're they're very geared toward situational football. So he's gonna he's that's his role. He's gonna be on the field more. But also, like I think they're just kind of saving Swift. I think he's going to be their primary guy on first and second down, but he's also going to get some opportunities to catch passes on third down too. So I think they're just holding him back a little bit until the games that matter, and he's going to play more than the other two. But they're both they are going to have roles. So like Rashad Penny is going to be the we have a lead guy in the second half. Uh, if they're and it's going to be matchup based too. So if they're playing a team that has light like a light defensive front and you know coverage-oriented linebackers that maybe don't tackle so well, then maybe that's a, that's the kind of team that you unleash Penny against because he's 230 pounds and he can break tackles and run through guys. Uh, and then, you know, Gainwell is going to get 
you know, like I said, his role on, on third down and the two minute offense. So they're all going to have a role. But if you're drafting one of those guys for your fantasy football team, a uh, little dicey. <laughs> like it's uh, like, but but Swift, I think, is the guy that's going to get the most touches this year. How would you rank the running backs in terms of because the, the question talent was, wise? Who is the mo- no, oh, by okay. the end oh, of the right. year, who is the most yards from uh, Swift? Yeah, Gainwell because Penny won't do anything in the passing in, in the passing game. Penny, Scott, Boston Scott. I agree. Good question. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperice.com. Hey. Pete coming on from Rom Crowd Beer Company. Hey guys, how you doing? Doing great, Pete. <laughs> um, how does the new Boza contract affect Hassan Reddick <laughs> with his quad hamstring injury? Do you think how he does the season, or do they, is this in season kind of extension that they can give him the monster? Okay, so. So what Pete asked there, uh, just so that we can have it on the podcast too, was what do we make of the Nick Bosa contract signed uh, today by the San Francisco 49ers? He got a $34 million, $34 million per year deal, $170 million, five years. And Pete's question was, how does that affect Hassan Reddick? Do they try to get an in-season deal done with him? And uh, where do they go from there? You want to handle this one? Or uh, I, I, got a, I got an answer all chambered up. Go for it. All right. So that deal's ridiculous. <laughs> I think that, first of all, I think that Nick Bosa is one of the more, you know, I mean, he's obviously a great player. I don't think he's the best defensive player in the NFL. I'd put him somewhere around like four or five personally. Uh, and Hassan Reddick, no question about it, is underpaid. He's making $15 million per year. Originally signed his deal last offseason, three years, $45 million. Had the most sacks in the NFL last year for including the playoffs. Uh, had, I think it was 19.5. Yeah. Obviously wrecked games uh, in the playoffs and, and deep into the season when they, they needed him to. So he not only had a lot of sacks and a lot of production, but he did it in games that mattered. And he's an awesome player, clearly. So he knows he's underpaid. Like one of the first days of training camp, in fact, the first time he talked uh, in training camp, of course, uh, media scumbags like me and Brandon are going to jump all over any kind of storyline along along those lines. Like, are you underpaid? That kind of thing. Uh, I, I think it was Jeff McClain asked him just flat out. was like, are you underpaid? And he gave sort of a diplomatic answer, but also made it very clear that he knows he's underpaid at 15. I mean, for us, $15 million a year is not underpaid, but for what he does on the football field, he is. And now Nick Bosa is making roughly three times 
uh, the amount that Hassan Reddick is. And Reddick, I think, next offseason is going to want to be paid uh, similar, maybe not that level, but he's going to be looking for a new contract. Maybe he holds out or, quote-unquote, holds in a year from now, but I don't see any kind of extension coming for him when he still has, you know, basically a year and a half left on his deal. I don't think, I don't think we had, there's an in-season contract extension coming for him this season. I don't think the Eagles want to do that from a precedent standpoint, adding more money or tearing up a guy's deal just one year after playing. So, yeah, I, I think there's not going to be an adjustment there. I mean, it's, it's more reasonable to do after this year, right? Because then he's entering the last year of his deal. That's not crazy. In the last three seasons, two players have more sacks than Hassan Reddick. Yeah. One of them is not Bosa, by the way. It's, yeah, <laughs> and it's TJ Watt and it's Miles Garrett. And those guys are pretty good. And those guys are making something like what, like ten million more a year, fifteen million more a year annually. Annually, I like think Hassan Reddick is the money. 14th highest paid edge rusher in the league, which something is crazy. Like so he has a right to feel. He's not in the top ten. I know that. He has a right to feel underpaid. At the same time, he hit free agency what back to back years. So it's like he had a chance, and the money wasn't there for him. Clearly, uh, the money he was looking for now. So part of it's just he has to bide his time. I think they'll get something done after this year, assuming it's another big year. I think he could. Um, he only got better late in a career year last year. I think he could. You think he could get like twenty sacks? You think that's in the realm of possibility for him? I mean, if you include the playoffs, he was, he was almost there. Sack shy I mean. of that <laughs> last year. So yeah, it's a he's, he's got a thumb injury. He tore a ligament in his thumb, so I don't know how effective he's going to be early in the season because there's a lot of pass rush move. I mean, a big part of Rushing the passer is using your hand, hand fighting. And uh, he does a lot of that. So if he's got like a big cast uh, over his hand, it's going to affect him in some way. I don't know how much that will affect his production over the course of the season, but uh, he does have that injury. But yeah, I think certainly he's going to, um, I mean, like you said, there's only two guys in the league that have more sacks than him over the last three years. So no reason to doubt that he won't do it again this year. Was not on the injury report for the first uh, practice today against the Patriots. Speaking of which, only one guy on the injury report for the Eagles, Josh Job, illness. So they're fully healthy. I guess they lost Sean Bradley and Zach McPherson during training camp and season-ending injuries. But they are totally full go for week one of the games. Patriots are banged up, by the way. Really and banged up. We'll get to that maybe in a little bit. Uh, let's get to the next question. We have another question coming in from... And say your name. Joe. Joe. Yeah. yeah. Hi, I'm Joe. What's up, Joe? <laughs> uh, week. Appreciate it. Um, who is most likely to win the Patrick Robinson Award? Wow. Vis-a-vis having a horrible training camp, yeah. but actually being good in season. Okay. Okay, so... Funny story on that first. So each year I do a media poll, stock up, stock down media poll. I ask all the members of the media to give me one player that they think whose stock is up and one whose is down uh, after like the first 10 practices of camp. And the year that they signed him, which was 2017, their Super Bowl year, he like ran away with the stock down votes. And I had asked Merrill Reese to pick a stock up guy and a stock down guy. He, he offered the stock up guy and in stock down. He wouldn't give me a name because I guess he felt like he can't be negative toward any of the players. So I said, just pick one, Merrill. What do you give me a break? <laughs> so he asked to see the list of players of other people other people have picked. And uh, 
he just pointed to Patrick Robinson's name, <laughs> which I thought was very funny. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so the question is, he had a horrible camp and then actually wound up being a really good player for them. Uh, that season obviously had the pick six in the NFC Championship game. Uh, I think that the guy, I mean, I think I'd go back to N'Kobe Dean on this one maybe. Mm. So he was hurt early in camp, missed, I don't know, like a week and a half, two weeks, something like that. With, what was that injury? Foot? Knee? Elbow? I'm just going to keep naming body parts. I forget. Whatever. <laughs> And it uh, didn't really stand out much early in camp, but uh, had a big play in the second preseason game, I think, it's where the Browns, yeah. uh, they were in a goal line situation, got in the backfield, forced a fumble, and um, Eagles recovered. And then in the subsequent joint practices against the Colts, he was awesome. So he was all over the field, made plays in the passing game, made plays in the running game. I think he had a, a bad camp to start off, but closed – uh, in a very encouraging way. So I think he's a guy that sort of needed that end of camp bump like Patrick Robinson had back in 2017. Uh, so yeah, that'd be my answer. I'd say N'Kobe Dean is, is maybe that guy that got some stock down votes in that poll that I do every year, but who could wind up having a pretty good year. I mean, they need him to be good. He's one of the three linebackers on the team and looking like the best by far, just by default. Um, it's hard to say from a standpoint of how many guys had bad training camps, really, right? Not too many. Nicholas Morrow did. I mean, he got cut. Uh, yeah, but he got still cut. On the team. <laughs> so, like, he's not going to be that guy. I guess, like, Mariota would be a contender from a sure. standpoint of he was just so bad. But I think that would look like... Actually, now that you mention that, Nick Foles had a bad camp that year, That's too. what I mean. I was going to say and Foles then... <laughs> had a really bad camp that year. He was also kind of not fully healthy at that point. Uh, I think with Mariota, you could... The hard trying to talk yourself into it is okay. Give him the first team offense. Yeah, throw an AJ Brown. Do a game plan where you'll have to throw the ball like 15 times a game. They make they <laughs> they turn bad throws into good throws. So that's probably your. I mean, just in terms of looking terrible to looking great, that's probably the best answer. But I don't think a lot of players had bad camps. So I like that question though. Thank you. Good question. Thank you, Joe. We have another question coming up. Okay, I'm Ed. Uh, power rank the three following people in terms of awfulness. Billy Davis, Juan Castillo, Jonathan Gannon. Billy Davis, wow. Billy Davis, Juan Castillo. The least worst or, or most worst? Jonathan number Gannon. One is the worst. Okay, number one is the worst. I mean, that's easy. It's Jonathan Gannon. Has to be. Jonathan. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, Jonathan Gannon, who saved the Eagles by telling Nick Sirianni to give up play calling. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I didn't read that whole article yet. I just read bit, bits and pieces of it. But yeah, he made a lot of claims in an article published by The Athletic today. And also, like, sarcastically took blame for the Eagles losing <laughs> the Super Bowl. Like, yeah, I'm the guy everyone blames. <laughs> so yeah, yeah he, he's my number one. I actually really liked the other two guys uh, that Ed named, Billy Castillo, or Bill, Billy Castillo, Billy no, Davis no. and Juan Castillo. They're like nice people. So I feel yeah. bad bashing them. And Juan Castillo was like a great offensive line coach for a long time. So he He's did, still around. He's he, with the commanders. He did contribute in a positive way for a long time for the Eagles until they put him in a job that he wasn't equipped to do. And that's not really his fault. It was just a dumb decision by the Eagles to, to put him there. And it went badly. And it got Andy refired ultimately. So uh, I would have him last. 
And Billy Davis was a good dude, too, but his defense is, I mean. He was he, in a tough spot. He's a tough one, too, because Chip would run that hurry up, and they'd be off the field in, they'd go, like, when, they, when the offense was bad on the Chip, they'd have a, a three-play, negative four-yard drive for that, that lasted, like, 22 seconds. And Billy, poor Billy Davis' defense was on the field for, like, 40 or 45 minutes. There, of course he gave up a lot of yards and points. So, like, it really wasn't, like, and the offense looked a lot better than it than on paper than it really was, and the defense looked a lot worse than it really was. So he's my, he'd be number two on that list, Great. and then uh, Juan would be number three. How much of an upgrade do you think Deshaun Desai could be, will be, over Gannon? Uh, it's a big question. You know, that's a big projection to make. So here's my thing on that. <sighs> Jonathan Gannon's defenses dominate, excuse my language, shitty quarterbacks. Okay, so like there's that. Uh, you get into the playoffs, and eventually you're going to have to play the cream of the crop quarterbacks. And we saw in 2021, they, the, any good quarterback that they played, and it was a who's who of like awesome quarterbacks in like Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady. Uh, if you want to throw Jack in there, fine. Uh, who am I missing? Herbert. Herbert was another one. They, they, it's five guys complete 80% of their passes against the Eagles that season, which is just unheard of. And they lost all those games. In 2022, they, let's be real, they played a lot of bad quarterbacks in 2022 and beat a lot of bad quarterbacks and had good stats against, I mean, 70 sacks. They're not going to sack the quarterback 70, 70 times again this season. They're the number one pass defense in the NFL. They're not going to be the number one pass defense in the NFL again this year. So, the defense can be can actually be better, but on paper not look better. But I think what the difference between Gannon and Desai will be is that Desai will try to build a defense geared more toward slowing down the good quarterbacks uh, because that's what's going to they're going to be in the playoffs, and that's what's going to matter when they get into. They're lucky to have to face only Daniel Jones, and then the combination of uh, Brock Purdy, Josh Johnson, and Christian McCaffrey in the, in the NFC Championship game. They're not going to be that lucky in the playoffs again to get that, you know, to get like quarterbacks not that, you know, that aren't that good theoretically. So uh, to, to get to the Super Bowl and to win the Super Bowl, you have to be able to at least slow down good quarterbacks. And they certainly didn't do that with Patrick Mahomes in the second half of the Super Bowl. Who is the best quarterback that Jonathan Gannon has ever? Kirk Cousins. And yeah. Or yeah. Trevor Lawrence, maybe. Trevor Lawrence. But but that was before he was good, though, too. It was also like a rainy game. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a weird game. Not great. Probably Kirk Cousins. <laughs> not, not great. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing with Desai, I mean, because you talk about slowing down good quarterbacks, that kind of made me think about how, you know, Gannon's approach to things was flawed in that, especially in the Super Bowl, because it's like, okay, we're just going to sit back and we're going to wait till he makes a mistake. Well, like, maybe force the issue a little bit. Because even if you give up a big play at that point, late in the game, at least there's enough time for you to get the ball back. As opposed to if you just like, sit back and let them lead the clock and lead the clock and just methodically move their way down, then you don't even get the ball back. That was the biggest problem, or one of the biggest problems in that game. It wasn't just even about the total points. It was about how the Chiefs scored so efficiently and ate up so much time off the clock when they were on the field. 
Yeah, and the other thing, like when you look back at the Super Bowl, after the Super Bowl is over, they released like all the mic'd up footage. And on the Patriots' last drive, not their, their second to last drive, the drive where Brandon Graham had the strip sack that effectively ended up, you know, put them put them in a, in a position to win that game. Jim Schwartz said to Doug Peterson on the sideline, I'm going to get super aggressive here. And if we give up a big play, so be it. And if we make a play, then great. Well, he said, I'll give you the ball back. Okay, but either way, we'll, either way, we'll yeah. give you the ball back. And Gannon's style through his, his you know, two years with the Eagles was, don't give up the big play. And it became, <laughs> At all costs. It became clear in the Super Bowl that the, he needed to take a more aggressive approach to try to make something happen, whether yeah. it's Force, force a issue. turnover, get a sack, uh, put him in the third long or something like that. And that just didn't happen. They just kept staying in that, you know, that soft shell defense. And Mahomes killed him in the short to inter intermediate portions of the field. And uh, I think that's probably what the difference, the biggest difference will be between him and Sean Desai heading into the season. Uh, I think we're going to see a little bit more uh, aggressiveness from the defensive forward. And I would say the hope for that is that we've seen him tweaking things in training camp practices. You know, like James Radbury's working in the slot one day. Yeah. Nolan Smith's an off-ball linebacker. Um, Terrell Edmonds is in the box as a linebacker, not just playing safe. Like he's actually trying different things. Maybe that's a little bit of a difference, a little bit of sign of hope in that regard. Uh, also, potentially knowing the criticisms of his, his the guy who – had that role before him. I don't know if that plays a factor at all. All right, next one. Another question from Joe. Joe. Back. <laughs> uh, Kyron Johnson off the roster. Wow. Nicobe, yeah. <laughs> uh, Nicobe Dean starting lineup. Mm -hmm. uh, injuries. Dave Bradley and Pearson. Uh, who's most likely to step up as like a special team star? Okay. Mm. I mean, it's a fair concern because, yeah, they lost a lot of guys on that unit. They weren't good at all last year anyway, at least for most of the season. Eagles gave Michael Clay a raise anyway. Um, yeah, so I would say, I mean, they lost Nolan Sean Smith. They Sean, yeah, so they lost Sean Bradley, Zach McPherson during training camp. I don't even know, know if Sean Bradley was going to make the team. Zach McPherson wasn't sure he was going to make the team. But they're done for the year. And then, uh, as you mentioned, Kyron Johnson was a core special teamer, not on the team anymore. So they need guys to fill in to be core special teamers. Brandon mentioned Nolan Smith. I agree with that. I was watching. So like watching practice, watching Nolan Smith, there was a point during camp where he was hurt. Again, I don't remember what his injury was. Shoulder? Shoulder injury. Yeah, he suffered that in the preseason game. I've never seen a rookie take like mental reps on special teams before. So what I mean by that is, He's on the punt coverage team. So his job is he's essentially like the left tackle. So he's blocking the really edge. getting in the weeds here. I'm going somewhere with this. Don't worry. He's basically like the left tackle, like blocking on the edge before the punt gets, you know, before it gets punted away. So he's got a block, and then once the punt's away, he tries to run down the field and make, and make the tackle. On a day of practice where he wasn't practicing at all, He's practicing like his kick slide, like he's Jordan Mailata on, you know, every, off to the side. Like he's not even in the practice. He's yeah, no off one's to telling the side. To like on each snap, he's doing his kick slide. And uh, just because he likes to play that much. And at Georgia, he played on all four special teams units, even though he was a likely first round pick. You don't see that all that much. So that's just a guy that loves to play, no matter whether he's in the regular defense, rushing the quarterback. 
covering linebackers, stopping the run. We're playing on special teams. So he's one guy that I think they can fill in. And then I think during the preseason games, if you were watching kickoffs, Sidney Brown was down there in like half a heartbeat on pretty much all the kick return, on the kickoff coverage units. So he's a guy that has extremely impressive athleticism. And again, like Nolan Smith, is a guy that just loves football, wants to be on the field as much as he possibly can. So those are two rookies that like, both of them are like extremely athletic guys that can get down the field fast and they want to play a lot and they want to play on special teams. So they'd be two. I think those guys are going to be really good on special teams from day one. Yeah, Nolan Smith is, I think, awesome. I mean, Jimmy kind of hit the nail on the head already there. That guy has serious potential to be a fan favorite. Interested to see what his defensive role looks like. Think that'll grow over time. Jimmy's looking at the depth chart. What are you looking at the depth chart for? Like, there's a third guy I had in mind, too, and I forget who it was. For special teams? Yeah. Oh, Christian Ellis is another guy. So, like... Well, the special teams unit got better last year when they called him up. Right. And they called him up because it was so bad. And it was like, well, they have to do something. They can't just keep trotting out the same players each week. And they called him up, and instantly it got better. So it'll be a full season of him as opposed to just, like, the last five or six games or whatever it was right. when he got called yeah, up. So that's a help. So it's three guys. Christian Ellis, uh, Nolan Smith, and... Sydney Brown are the three yep. guys I think of a little step up. I love the uh, deep in the weeds question from Joe. <laughs> Die hard. We have another question coming up. Going back, uh, knowing the back half of the schedule is absolutely calling. Through his first nine games, where would you be? Where would you start panicking? You know, thinking it's going to be a problem. Yeah. It's a good question. They do. They really do have to like bank wins. They can't just be like oh, mess around five hundred whatever back their way into the playoffs. Like, Things how it used to be, kind of like Doug Peterson, a couple of his final years there. Um, they really have to start hot and leave themselves some room for error in that stretch at the end. As Jimmy and I, I'm pulling up the schedule here. It's taking a long time, but I know the first five games are uh, at New England, uh, home against the Vikings Thursday night, at Tampa Monday night, home against the Commanders. I think. Yep. And, and then at the Rams. the Rams. So those are all very winnable games, of course. Um, but so, yeah, like Brandon said, you got to bank. I have the full schedule here now. So, all right. So, like, the first sort of difficult game, well, they're all difficult, I guess, but their first difficult game on paper is at the Jets week six. Who well, they've never lost to, ever. But those first five games at New England, uh, Vikings, at Tampa, Commanders, at Rams, they're going to be favored in every one of those games. And this week, I think they're, what, three-and-a-half or four-point favorites. And That's kind of low to me. That does feel low, and I think that'll be the lowest spread, probably by a significant margin, of any of those first five games. So the gauntlet of, of uh, tough teams that – my apologies, what was, what was our question – questionnaire's name again? Zach. Zach, sorry. The question that Zach had about the gauntlet of uh, hard teams. You got Dallas, and then you got the bye – at Chiefs, Bills, 49ers, at Cowboys, at Seahawks. That's rough. So they do have to bank as many wins as they can. I mean, analysis, Win, winning games is good. What do you think is like the, the most they can lose but still be in a good spot, I guess? Yeah, so I guess if they – that stretch begins week nine. So their first eight games, I think if they're like any, any worse than six and two – that's not a good sign. So they're five and three or worse. I think that's a bad sign for the back half of the season. I agree with that. We have another question coming up. Uh, yeah, my name is Scott. I had a question. Is this the first time you going into the season without a identified punter 
<laughs> yeah. Jimmy, I feel like you need to take this because you're the I'm the punter, hunting uh, aficionado. Nerd. Uh, I don't know if it's the first time they. Well, certainly they've never had it. They've never entered a season without a punter. I don't know if they've ever cut down to 53 and a punter wasn't on the roster. But right now they have 53 players on the roster, and one of them is not a punter. They do have Aaron Sipas on their practice squad. So if they don't sign a punter between now and game day, they do have two practice squad guys that they can bring up as many as two practice squad guys to their main roster uh, on game day. And obviously Sipos would be one of them. They did work out a lot of guys. They, they worked out Braden Mann. They worked out the guy from the Saints. Blake Gilligan. Blake Gilligan. They worked out two other guys who aren't Pat O'Donnell and uh, I can't think of the fourth. Bad job by me. But Colby something. Col yeah, uh, Wadman. There Colby you go. Wadman. This is, this is great. <laughs> so uh, yeah, hopefully they 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 hopefully one of those punters is better than Aaron Sipos because Aaron Sipos stinks. And you know each what of are the, they doing? Why are they hesitating with this? Each of the last two years. He has punted badly in the playoffs. Um, in the playoff game against the Buccaneers, he had two really bad punts. Like what, twenty-seven yard punt in that game? The, uh, two punts that were the, that were twenty-something yards, what and the Bucks doing? scored on each of those ensuing drives. And then, of course, he had the punt against the Chiefs, where it was supposed to go to the left. It went way to the right, and Kadarius took it. Tony returned it to like the two-yard line, and that led to a touchdown too. So. Yeah, they got to sign a, a punter, no doubt. And uh, for me, like, if they go into the season once again with uh, Aaron Sipa. And by the way, the Patriots, their punt returner is a guy by the name of Marcus Jones. He led the NFL in uh, average punt return yards, 12.5, <laughs> I happen to know off the top of my head because I'm a weird guy. Uh, so, oh, yeah, number. they have uh, – that is a matchup disadvantage if they go into this game with uh, Aaron Sipa as their punter. I mean, once upon a time, they went into a season 2007 without a punt returner, which they also still don't have on their roster. They might call out Britton Covey to do with Alameda Zacchaeus. Right. I mean, are they kind of like softening the blow on this a little bit in terms of, oh, we'll just keep Sibots on the practice squad and elevate him a couple times and act like, oh, we couldn't find anyone, so we're just going to go with him again. You know what I mean? It's like it's not like they're being so brazen to just go into the season with him and be like, Screw you. Like, we know better. By like, the way, if you're Aaron Sipos, you're like, yeah. you're just sitting there on the practice squad <laughs> watching as they work out all these guys yeah. and just hoping that they all suck in their workouts. I guess <laughs> so. None of them get signed to the, to the regular roster. And I guess what could also happen, too, is they could maybe have him punt one game. And then if they sign a punter thereafter, and this we're going way into the weeds again here, his contract wouldn't be guaranteed for the season. That's true. So maybe they just go, maybe they're working out all these guys, figuring out which one they like the best, and he'll be signed after week one. Well, probably not, because it'll probably be both, because they play on Thursday in week two. So they're probably not oh, enough true, time yeah. to right. like get them probably to, install a new brother. So and, and, get, and get them reps with Jake Elliott. I think it's almost here. like an extended audition for Zabas. I think it's like he has these first two games. He's had a two year audition. I don't think that should be the case, <laughs> to be clear. I don't think he should be on the team, but I think they're approaching this as we'll give him two games. We'll see if he does any good at all, and if he stinks, 
that he's gone for good. I want to answer that Tanner McKee question. That was he was only joking when that he asked coming for, uh, that he's coming for Jalen Hurts, but that guy was awesome in uh, in the preseason games. And we we mentioned uh, Mariota a little bit uh, in the first part of the podcast here, but like I think he's if Mariota has to play and he doesn't play well. I think the leash is short on him, and they could maybe go to McKee if things aren't going. Like if Mario has to start a game, and it just goes like it looks like it looks like the Gardner Minshew against the Saints game last year, for example. Maybe we see McKee, the the benefit of McKee playing well is next year if they like if he practices well all year and he happens to get into a game, shows that like he can play a little bit. A real game that is, then he can be their number two going yeah. forward. And when you have a six-round pick, those guys don't make any money, and they're under your control for four years. Mariota got like five million this year. Backup quarterbacks are expensive, so if you have a really cheap number two like that, that's a big advantage. You can spend that money elsewhere on the roster. Hundred percent. I mean, I said this early. Remember when they drafted him, and I was like, kind of like this Tanner McKee's highlights <laughs> here. I, I see a. Uh, a certain former Eagles quarterback that he kind of reminds me of a little bit. The way he plays, like stylistically, he's not the most fleet of foot. But he's just like functionally athletic in the pocket. Looks like uh, Nick Foles a little bit, right? All right. I, uh, <laughs> no, you're not going to sell that at all? <laughs> you're not going to agree with that comparison? Brandon did make that comparison as soon as they drafted him, actually. I, I just think they have a similar style yeah. of play. Yeah. So maybe uh, Tanner McKee, Super Bowl MVP this year? There you go. Saying? Heard it here first. All right, next question. Uh, hi, I'm Jimmy. Uh, Brandon, what's the Eagles' final record going to be? Man, I mean, it's like it's not fun to go lower than last year, but what, they won 14 games? One of a 14-win season? The first, the best record in Eagles franchise history? That's right. I forgot that, yeah. Tougher schedule. <laughs> Still a really good team, but... You know, 11 and 6. It's going to be tough. Okay. So, 2021, I had them 7 and 10. They went 9 and 8, and they were a surprise playoff team. Last year, I think I had them 11 and 6. They went, as Brandon said, 14 and 3, went to the Super Bowl. So, I've been sort of uh, off on them, but on the low end. This year, I feel like I'm a little more bullish on them than the rest of, I don't know, people who predict these things. I'm going 13 and four. You should say seven to no to get everyone to applaud for you. So, <laughs> so actually, uh, we I did like a poll again of people predicting their records last year, and Fran Duffy, my friend who works for the Eagles, he said 17 and to give like a, a sped like a, a Dave Spadaro kind of answer, and he wound up being like the closest to closest to the final record than anyone. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I'm going I got I, I'm going four, 13 and four. We mentioned the gauntlet of hard games. Yeah, what are the losses? Again, uh, that, that gauntlet of games, Cowboys, Chiefs, Bills, 49ers, Cowboys, Seahawks. And you can say, well, they got to play all these hard teams. Well, all those teams got to play the Eagles, too. So uh, I think the Eagles are I, – I legitimately think they have the best roster uh, in the NFL. And I think that uh, they're going to win a lot of games is my official analysis. Who do they lose to over the four losses? So – I think the tough games here are at Chiefs. Yeah. At Cowboys. They always seem to lose at least one to the Cowboys. The next the following week, that's rough because 
They play the Cowboys on the road, fly home. Then they play the Seahawks on the road. That's a tough travel schedule. So I think that Seahawks game is a little tough on paper. Yeah. And then I think if they're 13-3, and three, good chance they have that one seed wrapped up and they just kind of unofficially forfeit the final game against the Giants. Okay. I think if I'm looking at losses, I'm worried about the Jets uh, on the road after, what, uh, it's like the third road game. So that's a road game. That's, that's in L.A. It's the third and road game home. in four weeks. Yeah. Road game is against the Jets. Is or I'll say. The trip up the parkway. I would say them. Turnpike, excuse me. Them or the Dolphins. I think they drop one of those two. I think one of those two teams will be a big challenge for them. By the way, Kelly Green for the Dolphins game. First time. It's a lot of juice. But uh, I'm also going to say Dallas, Kansas City. That's three. I'm going to say Seattle. Bills in there in the mix, like you know, 12 5, 11 6, around there. All right, next question. Uh, again, this is from Jimmy. Uh, Brandon, yeah, how far do they advance in the playoffs? I think they go back to the Super Bowl. Okay, do they win? Yeah, the, the pandering <laughs> is working. Uh, they win. Uh, yeah, no, I am. I am. They're gonna, I think it's. Not as easy of a road this time, but I do think maybe there's something to, unlike last year, not being as battle-tested by tough teams, and that's not any fault of theirs. It's just their schedule. I think maybe they're more equipped this year to have been dealing with those tough teams, and they get redemption, and they beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Oh, so the Chiefs are going back, too. Yep. I haven't won in the Super Bowl, too. I already wrote my prediction wow. for the season. I haven't, I haven't there it is. I've never predicted the Eagles to win a Super Bowl. This is my 11th season covering the NFL. I've never predicted the Eagles to win a Super Bowl. I think they're the best team in the league. I think it's just that simple. They're the best team in the league. Who are they? They have. Uh, I'm going to go Bills. Okay. They have the best offensive line in the NFL. They have what a top three wide receiver duo in AJ Brown, Devontae Smith. They have probably the best, you know, Brown, Smith, Dallas Goddard, like trio of two receivers tight end in the league they have the arguably the best pass rush in the league jalen hurts is only going to continue to get better yeah they're just stacked and they've had good injury luck i think that's the one thing that can derail not to give obvious analysis there but i think that's the one thing that can really they've had incredible injury luck the last two years so uh i think if they have injuries at certain positions they're fine if they have injuries at other positions less fine but that's true of any team and uh uh, I think that the Eagles are the best team in the NFL. And, man, the, the Nick Sirianni pandering approach feels good. <laughs> you see why he does it? Two Eagles podcasters predict the Eagles to win the Super Bowl. That's right. Who would have thought? I did not I did not know that you were going to pick the Eagles to win the Super Bowl. I didn't tell you. Okay. Well, we should do some promo here for the people maybe who came in later. So, yeah, again, uh, if you missed the beginning here, we have free – Righteous Felon Jerky. Also suggested pairings with uh, suggested wrong pairings crowd with beer the beer well. offerings here at Wrong Crowd Beer Company. We have Wrong Crowd Beer Company koozies and free hats, free shirts. Come on up and get them. You don't even have to ask us for them. Just right, just kind of rifle through and grab whatever you want. And if you're looking to buy or sell a house, contact Kristen Roach <laughs> of Roach Realtors. Voted on by God as the best realtor in the history of the universe. In case you didn't know that. Uh, 856-906-9295. Not that you're going to remember that. And I think we're going to wrap it up here. This has been our live show uh, at Wrong Crowd Beer Company. If you want to just hang out, talk to me and Brandon. 
Off to the side. Bring it on. Love you guys. P-G-N. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com.